Hi friends, and welcome to the next episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. We're in our season of metamorphosis, where we're looking at the life and the letters of the Apostle Paul, and looking at the patterns and the the teachings that we can glean from those, and asking ourselves today, what can we learn about our own lives, and what can we learn about the churches and communities that we find ourselves in uh, when it comes to transformation and spiritual formation and growth. Where is all this headed? That's the question we find ourselves asking again this week as we dig into another of Paul's letters, his letter to the church in Philippi. I want to begin by reading a section from chapter 2, starting around verse 5. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honoured him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glorious honour of God the Father. Now this is a letter written by a man, and so obviously this letter contains words, but the things that Paul is trying to get across are mysterious. The things that Paul is trying to describe and get other people to be able to see and comprehend are things that can't very easily be described with words, and that's why we get sections of these letters, like what we have just heard now, that Um, the early Bible scholars believe were actually more like poetry, were more like hymns that would be sung when these churches gathered together in their little house groups. And just like poems and songs and psalms, this portion of the letters to the Philippians is filled with images. It is filled with carefully constructed words. But, as with anything... Words and language can only go so far. Words can only take you so far. There are limitations to words. Just try naming the unnameable. We can't do it. Try to describe the indescribable. It's not possible. Just think about your own lives. Think about a time when you experienced any time of great love or great suffering and trial in your life, and then try and describe that. See, they're the two greatest teachers in our lives, love and suffering. Any times we have learned anything profound, it has been because of love 
or because of suffering. But if you take that experience, that experience of love or that experience of suffering, and then you try to describe that to someone else, you try to put across using words how that felt or what that experience was like or what it was like to be you in that moment, you try to describe that to somebody outside of that experience. Try putting words to your suffering. Try to explain falling in love. That's what Paul is doing here. He has experienced something. He has had this divine encounter with the cosmic Christ. And now he's trying to use this poem to explain that experience. He's trying to use the words in this letter to put across that mystery. Just another thought, very short one this week. But the main thing that we get from this letter, and we'll we'll be unpacking this a little bit more on Sunday, is this idea of of nothingness, this idea of emptiness, this idea of being poured out so that you can be filled with something else. All of these kind of visuals and these kind of things that that Paul is talking about, where he talks about in the life of Christ, but also in the life of himself and in the life of the church in Philippi, but also in the lives of us today and in the life of our church and our communities today. It's saying this, who you thought you were and what you thought was important has to go. If we want to be kingdom people, if we want to be filled with the fullness of God, then who you thought you were and what I thought was important has to go. I think that's what Paul's describing right here in this letter and it, it's touched on quite beautifully by in a book that I'm reading at the moment uh, by Richard Raw um, in his wonderful book called Falling Upwards and it's this book that talks about the two halves of life. This isn't about your age, it's not like you're in your first half of life until you're 40 and then after 40 you're in your second half of life or whatever it is. It's not about ages, it's about stages. You can have quite young in years people but that have gone through great love or great suffering and suddenly seem much older and wiser than their years and on the flip side of that you can see people much older in their years physically but who haven't learned the lessons through great love and great suffering and yet so still seem quite young or quite even immature even in their maturity And what, what Richard Raw talks about is what Paul is talking about here in Philippians as well, is that our first half of life happens within the container that we are all given, whether that's through our own upbringing, our family, our backgrounds, our culture, our education, whatever it is. All of those things help to construct this container that is our life, that is the first half, the first stage of our lives. That's where we get our container. And it's not a bad thing. It's where we need to start. But Paul, as well as Richard Raw, says that something else has to happen. That there has to be this second half of life. There has to be this second stage to our lives. Where all that container stuff has to go. 
where we empty it out, where we pour it all out, where we die before we die, to be born to this new, abundant, full, eternal life. Jesus even says, doesn't he, that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and is buried in the earth and dies, it will only ever remain one grain of wheat. But if it does fall, if it does embrace the fall, if it does allow itself to be buried and to die to itself, then it becomes something more. Then it becomes fullness. Then it becomes this abundant life. And there's a word that we're going to look at on Sunday called kenosis, which is all about this. We tend to almost get it backwards in our our lives and in our culture today, particularly if you think about something like advertising. Advertising works on the idea that you are already empty and you need to be filled and only the product that they're advertising and selling to you, only that will truly fill you. That you've got a problem, you haven't quite arrived, but once you get this one thing, once you get the new iPhone, once you buy that new car, once you get those clothes, once you buy that perfume, whatever it is, once you get this thing, then you will be there, then you will have arrived, then you can truly start to live. It all preys on the same cravings and desires and longings of this word kenosis, of this self-emptying, of this pouring out. But here in the book, Richard Raw's book, and in the letter from Paul, and in the life of Paul, and in the life of Jesus, it's all about doing it the other way round. It's saying... If you want to be filled with the good stuff, if you want to be filled with life eternal and life everlasting, then you must first and foremost pour out that other stuff. Empty yourself of all but love, so the hymn says. So friends, what do you need to pour out so that you can be poured into today? Grace and peace.